It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Now there's a new team, and everybody's pretty much new, and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page. JT the Brick. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last-second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is, it's Raider Nation. JT, thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you, and keep it going, okay? I'll talk to you soon, man. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we get rolling right here on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. 9.20 a.m., good to be here today. A very busy show. What many of us in the world of sports radio believe is the biggest day of the year for sports radio on the Deshaun Watson decision and everything that's gone down today with his suspension of 11 games to fine, his reaction, the reaction of the NFL, the reaction of Roger Goodell. This is the biggest topic in all of sports, and we're talking about it today. So jump on in as we open up the show. You should have an opinion on this. You should have a very strong opinion on this because you're an NFL consumer. And as an NFL consumer, we need to hear from you and what you think on this issue. So jump on in. Get ahead of the show. Don't wait 20 minutes or 45 minutes. Let's get going at 702-365-9200. And give me your well-thought-out opinion on the breaking news today with Deshaun Watson and really the biggest story that the NFL had to deal with when it came to player discipline. So let me give you my opinion of what's happening here and what I've been telling you all along. This is one of the most important conduct decisions and suspensions in the history of sports period because now we have a precedent set because nothing like this has happened before never before in sports history has there been something categorized as non-violent sexual assault with the highest paid athlete in the sport everybody got that that's why this is so important never in sports history non-violent sexual assault which is something we're all trying to figure out that definition. Someone who was not criminally charged by two grand juries, but is settling all the civil cases as quick as he can to get back on the field. We needed a precedent to be set here. Does everybody understand it? This needed to be judged by someone, the commissioner, an independent judge, the union. We have to have this on paper. We have to have this on record. So if it happens again, we can go to this decision. That's it. That's the story. Why did it take so long? Because it's so important. There's a precedent for violence and domestic violence. Ray Rice, other athletes who have hit women. Then it comes down to deflating footballs, believe it or not. Wild. Who who thought there would ever be someone or the involvement of multiple people in deflating footballs? We have a precedent set now on the amount of games. We have a precedent set on Spygate, filming another team's practice. What's left? What else do we not know that is out there that could happen two years from now? We're all going to sit there and go, whoa, man, why didn't we think of that? What the hell's the penalty for blank? This is probably the biggest penalty it is, I think, in all of sports when it comes to an athlete not being able to play, paying a fine because the fine initially was nothing, and then they gave him 11 games, and then they gave him a penalty of significant dollars, and now we could all move forward. But the problem is not all of us should move forward. 
Not all of us should move forward. There should be many people offended by this decision or people who agree with this decision and people who all have opinions on this. I always say that I never wanted my sports talk show to be a show. Like, I've dealt with some idiot program directors in my life who are like, I want your show to sound like you're at a sports bar. No, a sports bar, they're loud. There's guys picking up chicks, guys eating wings. I don't want my sports talk show to sound like that. I want my sports talk show to sound like 10 guys and gals in a backyard talking about the biggest topics. What happened here? What do you think? And everybody goes around over a couple of beers and some food, and we talk about it. If you don't have a strong opinion on this topic, you can't talk about sports. This is the biggest story in sports, so what's your opinion on it? My opinion from the beginning was this was lewd and crude behavior, and this was premeditated. He was trolling for strangers in an industry, sports massage, or just massages, he was trolling strangers via instant messenger or inside DMs of Instagram to try to get vulnerable women in a, in a place that they thought was safe, and then he could conduct his lewd and crude behavior. And the women who liked it, he would go back to them again, and he would pay them. And the women who didn't like it, that he offended, he'd be able to use his celebrity to say, I apologize, it won't happen again, we won't do this again. And then finally, a bunch of women came forward and said, oh, she came forward? Man, that happened to me. I didn't want to come forward because I'm married, I want to keep my job, I don't want my name in the news. But you know, a whole bunch of women came forward, so I'm going to come forward too. And then this thing just exploded. And that's where we are, and the guy hasn't played football in two years. So we find out today that Deshaun Watson is suspended 11 games, fined $5 million, and the NFL and the Players Association agreed to terms on this deal. Uh, so they got a problem now in Cleveland because this is never going to go away. He might come back and play and win games, which is great, but this will never go away. And Cleveland brokered the contract and put the contract together. I think that's a big topic I wanted to get here in the monologue. And as we begin, we want to thank PTs as they fuel the monologue, 5 to 7, midnight to 2, the best happy hour in town. One of the things that no one really is talking about today, because everybody who's associated with the NFL is afraid to mention this, the most disgusting piece of this whole Watson situation has to be the ridiculous concessions made in year one of his contract. He literally was rewarded for his behavior. He has not lost any money. From it, nothing until the five million today. The Cleveland front office, along with ownership, shouldn't even be allowed in the league. The handling of this contract is just an embarrassment to the entire league. When they knew that Deshaun Watson would never play again in Houston, Texas, Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Browns, and the front office of the Browns said, We can go get this guy because I believe he's a top five quarterback in the league. I do. I think the guy's great. And Cleveland decided that they were going to go get him. But then Cleveland went out and gave him $240 million guaranteed, which he didn't deserve. Hey, sometimes it's my job to remind you people don't deserve $240 million bucks. They don't. This is easy for me. This guy didn't. But he had an owner who's desperate, a franchise that's desperate. They gave him that money, and then they structured the contract knowing he was going to be suspended so he wouldn't lose any money from his contract. It is despicable. Absolutely despicable what Cleveland did. So with all of this here... My conclusion on this is pretty simple. From day one, I said a year. He'd be gone for a year. It turns out it's going to be 11 games. 
And now we have to decide what's going to happen to him going forward. Now, what's really interesting is he does not have to admit guilt because he's not being charged criminally. So anybody today who thought we were going to see a bunch of attrition from Deshaun Watson, I don't know what you've been watching the last couple of months. He said from the beginning that he did not do this. He said from the beginning he's innocent. He's been denying this from day one. So today, he's talking about his future. He kept saying, my focus going forward is on working to become the best version of myself on and off the field and supporting my teammates. You might have heard Rich Eisen wrap up his show. He did a great job before I came on talking about the fact that the Cleveland Browns are making a donation to nonviolent sexual assault or whatever this is, however they phrased it. So Cleveland's making a donation on this. Deshaun Watson put in writing that he was sorry for the people that have been involved with this, but he is never going to admit any type of guilt. Broncos co-owner D. Haslam, when asked about Watson's comments about his innocence, said Thursday, quote, We respect his opinion. I do think in counseling, Deshaun will learn a lot more about himself. She added, counseling is in process. It's going to take some time for him to feel like he's making progress. So that's where we are right now. Uh, The suspension hasn't started yet. He'll be able to practice with the team here in the preseason. Then he'll go for away for a while. And then they'll come back and they'll go from there. Roger Goodell explained the league's decision of the appeal of Judge Robinson's ruling. Uh, Some of it, just a portion of it, as we previously conveyed, Deshaun and his reps have uh, abided to the NFL and the NFLPA structure awaiting a final decision. We respect the process. Ownership, the Haslam said in a statement, now that the decision on discipline has been reached, we understand this is a real opportunity to create meaningful change, and we're committed to investing in programs in Northeast Ohio that will educate our youth regarding awareness, understanding, and most importantly, prevention of sexual misconduct and many underlying causes of such behavior. So the ownership is basically telling you that this guy is twisted, he's lewd, he's got some type of addiction problem when it comes to this behavior, but they want him to play quarterback, period. And they believe he can play quarterback for the next seven or eight years and win him a Super Bowl. So that's where we stand today on this, and it's a big moment for the NFL. I I thought it took too long to get to this day. I didn't think we had to wait till August 18th. But I think the NFL proved that they were going to make sure they got this right. And I think the NFL wanted more. I think the NFL wanted a year. And they fought hard for that. And the union came back and they fought hard and they agreed on 11 games. So that's where we stand today on the sport that you love and that you invest a lot of time with. And if you happen to be a parent of someone young, my sons are 21 and 19, we can have this conversation and I keep the show PG version, but if you got a kid in the car who's 8, 11, 12, 6 years old, and they, you listen to sports and they're in the car with you, I don't know how you deal with this. This story was going on for months, and it's really difficult to describe. I think this guy's a troubled young man. Hopefully counseling will help him. Counseling helps people with all types of addiction, gambling, drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever it is, he has an addiction, and he got caught for it. And the thing is, he didn't go to jail, he didn't get charged criminally, but he embarrassed his name, his family name. And going forward, this will never leave him because he settled. If he didn't settle and fought to clear his name with all of these individual women, 
then he could walk around the rest of his life and say, I did nothing wrong, I wasn't charged criminally, and I won every single one of those civil cases. But he can't do that the rest of his life. Nor could he if he wanted to play football. He could not wait for the legal system to be drawn out and to fight every individual case here. So that's where we're at. How do you feel about this as a Raider fan? He plays in the AFC. This is a team that I think is very similar to the Raiders. Two really good quarterbacks. By the way, Deshaun Watson's elite. Okay, he is elite. He's in the top five, in my opinion. When healthy, when playing well, he's great. He's not good. I have him in the category with Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. He's that good of a player. But I would want nothing to do with him, especially now when Cleveland does. So he's in the AFC. The Raiders won't run into him. The Raiders beat them last year, which was a death blow to Cleveland, on the way to the Raiders making the playoffs. So I want to hear what you have to say, 702-365-9200. As we say in the promo, this is big boy radio. I'm not into backup safeties on the show today. It's really important to me that we don't do backup safety talk today the entire show. It's not important to me. I don't talk about backup safeties when I can talk about Deshaun Watson and the biggest story in all of sports as a sports talk host. This is much more important than who's going to be the 53rd guy on the Raiders roster. At least today it is. So I'd like the show to feel that way as we have a couple of guests that we have lined in and a lot of Raider content at 702-365-9200. So as we get the announcement of what happened today, Ian Rappaport from NFL Network, all of the insiders are commenting on this. No, the two sides, the NFL and the NFLPA, and those lawyers representing Deshaun Watson finally reached a point where they all could agree that it was time to put this issue, this long, long issue, months and months, year, year-long saga to bed. And, you know, it's a situation, Judy, where uh, I would say both sides probably wanted uh, a little bit of a different outcome, like any compromise, like any negotiation. Both sides are not entirely comfortable with this, but it is certainly time to move on. So let's look at what this ended up being. It is an 11-game suspension for Deshaun Watson, nearly double the original suspension from Sue L. Robinson, who was jointly appointed by the NFL and the NFLPA. This, of course, came uh, with the following the statements that Roger Goodell made, saying that Deshaun Watson deserved a full year, ends up short of that, but certainly much more than these six games. He also is going to pay a $5 million fine, uh, which, from my understanding, is also going to go along with $1 million donations from the Cleveland Browns and from the NFL uh, to groups to promote healthy relationships and other uh, other such matters to kind of get to the heart of, of some of these issues that the Deshaun Watson situation has uncovered for the last several years. So now, uh, after discussion, after months, after weeks, after negotiation, after a ruling, and then waiting for Peter C. Harvey to rule in place of Roger Goodell, it is now over. Deshaun Watson not going to take the NFL to court. The NFL not going to have to listen to these headlines over and over throughout the season. There is a settlement, 11 games, $5 million fine. Deshaun Watson should be back against his old team, the Houston Texans, in Week 13. So Week 13 is when he can come back. Technically, this should knock him out of the playoffs. This should be enough to knock them out of the playoffs, but maybe not. We saw Jacoby Brissett take Miami to overtime in Vegas. He's a good quarterback. He's very good. He's not an elite starter. He's not a starter, but he's a good backup. That's why you have a guy like Jacoby Brissett on your team, so he could lead you. Or the, a lot of talk today is about Jimmy Garoppolo. So he's worth $24 million now. The Niners are going to cut him, and then when he goes through waivers, Cleveland can pick him up because Cleveland needs him. 
And there's a pretty good chance Jimmy Garoppolo will be the quarterback of Cleveland for maybe eight to ten games. And that could be enough to get Cleveland to the playoffs. Now, here's the problem there. What happens if Garoppolo's better than Deshaun Watson? As I said, I have Deshaun Watson elite, but he hasn't played in two years. It's going to take time for him to develop back into the old Deshaun Watson. He's not going to come in throwing darts. So the way that Cleveland's had such bad luck, I could see them going after Jimmy Garoppolo, and then Garoppolo starts winning games. Everybody in Cleveland loves him. He's a matinee idol, good-looking guy. And they're like, well, what are we doing with Deshaun Watson? Well, you got you gave Deshaun Watson $240 million. He's going to be the quarterback for 10 years there. So what do you do now to hold on to the season for Cleveland? That's a really good team. Cleveland's defense, their defense, and their offensive line is better than the Raiders, right? It is. Raiders have better specialty players, receivers. But Cleveland is one of those teams in the same boat the Raiders are. Raiders are in a war to win their division. So is Cleveland. But Cleveland's got Cincinnati that went to the Super Bowl, and Baltimore's coming back strong because they were decimated with injuries last year. So if I had a guess now, I think the win total was taken from 9.5 to 8.5. The Raiders' win total is still at 8.5. We talked about that yesterday. So there's some similarities with this team other than the quarterbacks. We have a quarterback in Vegas with the moral high ground, a man of strong faith, a man of faith and a great husband and a father, who speaks publicly about his faith, and then you got Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. So that's a little bit different here, too. Very different there. So I'm not surprised by this, but for me, this was the entire summer for me. On my national show and part of this show, I've been waiting for this day. I'm not happy about it, but God, I've been waiting for this day. This is the day that we needed to get so we can put this behind us. So it's going to take a day to talk about it and then to get into this And really the last thing I wanted to put here in the monologue, which might give you a reason to call, if that does, is that where do you want the moral police and politics to be involved in sports? Because this isn't politics. Bobby's shaking his head. He wants nothing to do with it. Well, this is morality involved with your sports. So you can always say, it's very easy for me to say, I don't want any politics in sports. I'll talk about it when it invades sports. When there's a political issue and it gets into sports, i got to talk about it. But I don't want to talk about sex and morality and sports or deviant behavior. I don't want to do any of that. Now we have to because it's right here in the middle of sports. So this is another example for you as a sports fan to be disgusted because there's no sports. We're not talking about sports. We're talking about lewd and deviant behavior, and we're bringing in the morality police to try to say, what, what, why 11 games and not 12 or 10? Can you imagine what they were debating in that room? You got the union there, and you got the commissioner, and they're going, well, 12, no, 10, 11. And like, how do we explain this to the media and fans? We have no explanation. We just came up with a number. I heard some knucklehead today say, well, they didn't want Deshaun Watson playing games against certain teams, Tom Brady. Oh, stop it. They picked a number. It was going to be higher than six. It had nothing to do with the television schedule. It had to do with setting a precedent going forward. So last topic for you, how do you feel about this precedent being set going forward? Are you good with this? If this ever happens again, are you good with 11 games? Because the next guy who does something like this, and he doesn't need 24 women. That's another great point. I had a conversation off the record with someone today um, about this. If this happens again, with any player, say you're a cornerback and there's sexual misconduct, nonviolent behavior, you don't need 24 women. It happens to one woman, you're going to get 11 games.
So that's where we're at today as we open up the show. Uh, Greg Bedard's going to join us later from Patriots camp. He's a big insider. Patriots are coming here next week for the two practices, and they've been fighting with Carolina over there in New England. I want to talk to him about that, and he knows Josh McDaniels well. Covers his entire career there. Should be a deep dive interview coming up a little bit later on on the show. The Big O, Orlando Alzelgari, one of the biggest sports talk hosts in Florida, in Miami. He's a good friend of mine. He's going to come on to talk about the Dolphins. That's the Raiders' opponent. I need that knowledge for the pregame show coming up this weekend. And then finally, wrote a really interesting article today, and I reached out to the architect of it, Austin Mock who's the NFL sports betting analyst for The Athletic. It's a pretty big job, and he put out a column on the season win totals for the Raiders and the AFC West. I said, oh, no. Oh, no, we got to talk about this. I don't know if the Raider fans want to hear it, but it's my job to educate the Raider fans on what the gambling community thinks of the Raiders today, which you're not going to be thrilled about, but you need to hear it. And I need to know what they think about this from a technical issue here for all our gamblers here on the show. So that's the show coming up, and we'd love you to be a part of it as we open up the phones. Thank God I don't open up the phones in Vegas. I'd be out of business. I have to go out to Minnesota. Anthony in Minnesota, thank you for calling in. What's happening, Anthony? Hey, hey JT. Thanks for the topic. Sorry, i got to talk about this. But a few things come to mind, and I couldn't agree with you more. The thing that gets me is that 24 women, you talked about he apologized. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I can understand that if something wasn't right one time and never happened again, but the fact that 23 more women said the same thing after that, he wasn't sorry about it. He was fishing and manipulative. The second thing is I don't blame just the owners, and I am. The owners are despicable that paid $240 million the way they did. But I also want to hold ourselves, the fans, accountable. It comes down to the mighty dollar. Those butts and those seats are causing people to do what they're doing. It's too much money. And also... We have a two-tiered system. I hate talking about politics. not going to get into it, but I will tell you this. I feel like we have the best government money can buy. And once again, here we go. You're a person who can do something. We're going to forgo this and that. I hear it all day long about cancel culture. You can't say this. You can't do that. But if you've got money, you can do whatever you want to get. And I'll say it again. We have the best government money can buy. Hey, you have a great day. Thanks for Thanks for calling. Thanks for streaming the show. Really appreciate that. You know, we live through, and I still, I still think we're in the time of cancel culture, and there's been many people in media who have been canceled for far less than this. And we all know that. There have been people who work at cable news outlets, sports outlets. They work in media, and you know some of the high-profile stories, wrong, lewd, and crude behavior. They've lost their entire careers. Their entire careers over things where they had inappropriate relationships or texting or what they said in an inappropriate environment. They lost their entire career. I don't care if you go Matt Lauer, Bill O'Reilly, Charlie Rose. Go down any list you want, right? They're gone. They're not back on. They lost their entire career. Deshaun Watson gets to come back for something that seems to be even more aggressive and what he was doing there. So, look, at sports. He's a super athlete. He's a great player. I would never change my mind on that as him as an athlete. Man, he's damn good. He signed a contract with the Browns. It guarantees him a league record 230, $230 million guaranteed with a base salary that will jump to $46 million in 2023. And he got a signing bonus of $44.9 million. But here's what's so despicable, as I mentioned in the open. Because Cleveland structured his contract to include his base salary this year of $1 million 
$35,000. They knew exactly what was going to happen here. Watson was going to lose only 57000 per game suspended without the $5 million fine imposed on him today. So Watson's total loss pay this season will be $632,000. For all of this, for all this, he's going to lose $632,500 because the scoundrels in Cleveland, the owner in the front office, knew this was happening. They, they put together a disaster scenario, and they front-loaded his signing bonus and didn't start putting his salary into next year in case this happened, and it happened. So someone knew in that, in that legal team over in Cleveland, on that side of the building with all the attorneys and the GM and the owner, oh, they sat in that boardroom where they normally have the draft and they have big meetings. They had meetings about Deshaun Watson's contract, and they knew this could possibly happen. So Cleveland, I think Stefanski, the head coach, they've handled this to the best of their ability. What would they do? What should they do? Uh, there's been a lot of black eyes in the NFL the last couple of years. This is the most recent that now we can move forward on. And I'd really like to move forward on this. When, when Deshaun Watson's name comes up two years from now, we're all going to know the elephant in the room, what he did. But if he's playing in the AFC Championship game and he's leading the league in completion percentage, he's going to deserve credit. And if he ends up going to counseling and he sits down and has an interview and says, you know, I needed counseling to figure out the problem I had. I didn't know about it because I was fighting to clear my name legally and to try to get back out on the field. But now that I've been away from the sport and I've had all this professional counseling, I believe that I could admit that I was doing something wrong. And that'll probably happen if he wants to get on with his life and have the freedom spiritually and mentally to live out the rest of his life, not in a lie because I think he's lying now. Watson's five-year contract was the richest deal in NFL history for any player. And now this guy is the poster guy for this type of suspension. He set the bar. Now we know where the bar is. That's the monologue brought to you by Virgin Hotels. Tomorrow, I host my podcast in the lobby from 4 to 6 p.m. Great place to kick off a happy hour. All their restaurants will be rocking the pool. We're going to have four or five conversations with local guests and I'm excited about it. From the owner, Richard Bosworth, to John Sassenti, the president of the Las Vegas Bowl, to my great friend Bill Krakenberger, America's favorite sports gambler. And we're working on a few more. When we come back, more on this conversation. What does the Raider Nation and Raider fans on a flagship NFL station think of the behavior and the fine and suspension for Deshaun Watson? That's the point of emphasis today. And at the top of the hour, we're booked for the final hour with some good guests. So if you want to get in before the top of the hour, good time now, 702-365-9200. I'm on Twitter, at JT the Brick From the Lotus Studios, we begin on Raider Nation Radio. I've been honest and I've been truthful about my stance, um, and that's you know I never forced anyone, I never assaulted anyone, so um, that's what you know I've, I've been saying it from the beginning, and I'm going to continue to do that, and, and until all the facts come out on the legal side, I have to continue to just you know go with the process with my legal team and, and um, you know the court of law. So that's the Sean Watson who's still proclaiming his innocence. That should be part of your reaction today. 
on the decision. That will be 11 games for Deshaun Watson of the Cleveland Browns and a $5 million fine. JT, back with you. Brought to you by Resorts World with all the great restaurants, the biggest nightclub in all of Vegas right now, not even close. And Zook, all the great spots, including 8 Cigar Lounge. Come see us at Doghouse for select Monday night football games throughout the course of the year. Doghouse, right off the elevators, free parking, and right inside their sports book. Doghouse connects with the sports book there if you're looking to wager on the games when you get there. So this is a big topic for me. I'm going to be doing three hours on this tonight also on Sirius XM on what has to happen going forward now if this ever happens again. If this ever happens again and there's a player who's stupid enough to go down the same road that Deshaun Watson did, and there could be one, and there might have been many or some who have done this in the past but never got caught for it, uh, was the perfect storm for Deshaun Watson. Once he started participating in this lewd behavior and started to go after strangers and women to have this lifestyle, once one came forward and an attorney named Tony Busby got that one or two clients, he started making phone calls and he started talking to other people and he let it be known as a high-profile attorney in Houston that he was available to take on the business of the other women if they wanted to come forward and all the women came forward. That's why we got to this number of 24-plus women, because there was an aggressive attorney on the ground in Houston who wanted to be famous, also wanted to do his job, good attorney. And then Deshaun Watson had to go get Rusty Harden, the acclaimed attorney, to defend him. And Rusty Harden, I think, did a really good job because it didn't go to trial. And two, two grand juries didn't convict him. And now it's a civil lawsuit, and he's settling. I don't know how much the settlements are going to be. We shouldn't know what civil lawsuits are. It's supposed to remain private. But, you know, he's getting $230 million guaranteed. If he's settling with 24 women, how many millions of dollars is that? I have no idea. I don't know if he's settling for two hundred grand per woman or a million. No idea, but he's got enough money for generational wealth in his family there. So that's the story with Deshaun Watson. I thought more people would want to hit on this. I think it's a big topic, 702-365-9200. Let's go to the Josh McDaniels press conference as we begin, and we take a look at what he had to say earlier today. Obviously, another early session for him on deciding who's going to play. When it comes to who's going to play, I found this. When I heard this, I, I found this really refreshing that people are really asking him the definition of starters or who's going to play like you haven't figured it out by now. This is what he says. You, you use everything, you know, uh, as an entire body of work, you know. Um, some guys got more opportunities in the spring, you know, whether that was availability of others or not. Um, some guys have had more opportunities in training camp practices. Um, you know, so we've kind of used the games as just another opportunity for those things to be kind of leveled off, um, give people opportunities to play with different combinations, um, put them in some different positions. As you've seen, we've had a lot of people play in a lot of different spots, uh, I would say across the ball. Um, so just using it as a, as a, you know, the four, the four days are just extra opportunities for us to do that. So. Again, we're we're trying to we're trying to make sure we put them in the right spot so we can make a good decision, give them enough opportunities to uh, earn the role that they're looking to earn on the team, and and then hopefully we we'll make a great decision at the end of camp. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with the offensive line, right? With all those combinations and what they're doing there, all those combinations, and the extra work that they had as they can, uh, started camp earlier because of the Canton game. So they've gotten in extra work. One thing about these coaches, they're not complaining. They've had more looks than other coaches. They started earlier. 
right? They started earlier because of that Canton game, so they've been getting an opportunity. He was asked about the main guys on this team, which is interesting because the stars, as I call them, get treated just like the starters and the backups. They're all key guys. I'm talking about all, all of them are key to me. Um, and so, uh, in, and, and I, I understand the question. You know, we have two joint practices coming up next week. You know, that's a different environment um, for sure. And then we have the four preseason games. I mean, every day is a great opportunity. I don't look at the preseason games like they're any, you know, it's like it's in any different opportunity than what we have today. We're going to be out there today for two hours in the heat, you know, in pads doing things too that will help us make our decisions. Um, so, you know, everybody's important. Every rep's important. Uh, we're going to we'll just try to make the best decisions that we can. And, you know, look, there's some of this. It's obviously health-based. Um, you know, we have some guys that are, are battling through the things that normally happen to a football team during the course of training camp. You know, some guys can kind of fight through practice, but is it smart to play them in the game? I mean, those decisions are obviously, you know, we're trying to make the best decisions we can for the players too. Um, some of those are health-related. But, um, you know, just every player, we're trying to make a good decision for him. Uh, so that it can help us make the right decision for the team. So going forward, whenever anybody asks him about specific players, Josh McDaniels is going to go back to the team. Do we all understand that now? If you don't understand that, he'll tell you it next time you ask him that question again. He does not want to single out players. He comes from Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. They don't do that. He's, they're not going to do that here. Now, I'm sure there's going to be times when I interview him and I go, hey, Max had two and a half sacks. What would you think of Max? And he's going to tell me what a great performance Max is this, but then he's going to go right and say he got help with the defensive tackles who had a great game. That's what Josh McDaniels does. He's really good about that. He talked about the competition level of what he's seeing now because this is, I think, the biggest six or seven days in the entire camp. They go to Miami, long road trip, heat and humidity at night. Then they turn around and they're going to have to play the Patriots, so competition has to be sky high. Yeah, I think that matters to all of them. Um you know, the best thing you can tell them is, is that they'll, they'll determine, you know, how this goes, you know, and um, if you're a player, I think that's all you'd ever want is an opportunity to compete, to play, you know, they're all here to play, you know, they're not here to, you know, watch everybody else play. So, um, you know, I think that they're eager for that opportunity um, and they want, you know, they want the chance to earn the right to go out there when we send the team out there, you know, whatever the unit is. So um, I love that mindset. Um you you mentioned the how how is the comp you know the competitiveness of this team. Um, I think they've embraced that you know in their own position room. They know that they have a chance. Uh, they know that what they do on the field every day matters. Um, they know they get coached each day and give given opportunities. And so um, I think as a player, that's all you really want is an opportunity to go out there and prove that you know you deserve to be on the field and. Um, I think they have embraced that as a group, as a team. Nobody has shied away from it. Nobody's backed down from it. And, again, I think that's what makes every player better. Um, you know, when you compete with each other, whether it's across the ball or in your same, you know, group, I think that only makes our team a better team. All coaches love competition. Pete Carroll's the king of it. John Gruden loved it. Everybody loves it. But a lot of the, uh, a lot of the Mike Mayock guys take out Hunter Renfro, and Max Crosby, who are two damn good players, a lot of the guys really didn't have a shot. We're starting to see all of those players get weeded out. Those are the guys who are really competing, too, because these are not the guys that Dave Ziegler drafted and Josh McDaniels approved. So they're looking at these guys, and if they're not good enough, they're not going to be here. 
period. That's just the way it is. Now, all this leads to the joint practices with the Patriots where they have to get a lot of work done with the starters. So with all these combinations that they're working through, I hope these combinations are figured out by the time the Patriots come in so the best players can match up against Belichick's squad. Yeah, I think the, I've been a part of them before, and they've really been a useful tool uh, for us to evaluate ourselves against somebody else in a controlled environment. Um, you know, and so, you know, I think they're great. They're great opportunities for us, um, you know, and we haven't really talked about it much yet because we're obviously focused on, you know, this week and, and the Dolphins and getting ready to, to go down there and compete against them. But um, there, there are other opportunities when you sit there and you look at the calendar of August and you say, okay, we have these padded days. We have these four opportunities to play and go through our game day operation. We have these couple, you know, competitive practice opportunities. Um, you just look at it and you say that there's, you know, certain days are a little different than others, you know, and our guys are tired of working against each other. Um, you know, that happens at the end of August every year. You know, you see the same faces, you see the same bodies, you see the same schemes, you know, so at some point there's a, a level of um, you, you want something different, you know, and so uh, next week will be a uh, welcomed, I believe, by everybody, you know, just to have a different group, a different scheme, a different group of guys to go against in one-on-ones. Uh, a different coaching staff to kind of match up with so that, you know, it's, again, continues to add to the preparation for the regular season. But very much looking forward to those opportunities once we get through this weekend. You know, I can't guarantee if there'll be a fight or not. There should be some pushing and shoving. They had a couple of fights against Carolina, but the Raiders got to be ready. You know, this is a tough time for the New England Patriots. They don't have Josh McDaniels. They don't have an offensive coordinator. They don't have Tom Brady. They got a chip on their shoulder, and they haven't been practicing that well with Mac Jones. So I think this is going to be a fierce week next week here in Las Vegas. Not only the games, but the practices leading up to that. Now, as I excuse me, as I told you, I was surprised by Demarcus Robinson getting cut. I had him on my projected final fifty-three. This shows you that this coach and GM mean business when they assess the value of contracts and who's going to stay. Yeah, um, those are all, I mean, every one of those decisions is tough. We have a lot of great guys, and, um, you know, D-Rob's been competing since he got here, and, um, you know, the nature of the this this time of the year, we had to make some tough decisions. Um, he did a good job for us. Uh, we have a competitive room in there, and, um, you know, hopefully I give him an opportunity to go ahead and latch on, you know, at, at this point maybe have an opportunity somewhere else. Very honest point there, giving him an opportunity to go somewhere else. You would hope that that would happen with another team helping the Raiders with an offensive lineman, correct? Right. So they end up c- c- cutting Demarcus Robinson. You know, there's another team now as the rosters get trimmed down again next week that there could be the possibility that the Raiders get an offensive lineman. I believe if you're just listening for the first time or if you haven't listened a lot, I think the Raiders will secure an offensive lineman from another team when there is a cut down for either salary cap purposes or a position breakdown. So that's where we're going to be right there. 702-365-9200 on all of this today. So coming up, we're going to talk to a couple of insiders, one from New England, one from Miami, and then what I think is an analyst from the Atlantic for handicapping on the AFC West. So we're going to go through the AFC West win totals for the teams, the probability to make the playoffs, and the probability for all four of those teams to win the Super Bowl. It's going to be interesting. If you're a member of The Athletic, you might have saw this today. 
It's rumbling through Raider Nation. We'll talk about that in about an hour of the show. We are brought to you by our great friends at Modelo. Uh, Modelo setting up a remote for me as we get ready to kick off the season. We'll let you know where that location is going to be here pretty shortly. Modelo, the fighting spirit, the bucket of Modelo's, a proud partner of Raider Nation Radio and the Las Vegas Raiders. And I host the postgame show at the stadium in the Modelo Cantina Club. So if you're a club member on either side, Twitch or Modelo, you can come over and check us out on the post-game show. Uh, this week, we will not be in Allegiant Stadium because the team will be in Miami. But the following week, New England comes to town. It's Alumni Week, and it's a special event for Mark Davis and the entire organization. We'll tell you more about that next week. Deshaun calling for the ball on second and six at the Bills 44. Here's the snap. Here's a blitz. Watson in trouble. Watson escapes to the right side. And Watson throws it to Jones. Cutting inside 40, 35, 30. The 25, 20, 15. And down to the 10-yard line. What a play. The magician does it again. So we're covering the Deshaun Watson breaking news today. 11-game suspension, $5 million fine. We're looking for it from a Raider perspective. If you're a Raider fan, uh, how does this affect you as a fan? Your team doesn't have a quarterback like this, but this quarterback is in the NFL, and you pay to be in the NFL as a fan for season tickets, for the TV package, for whatever you do, jerseys, shirts, whatever it could be, going out to games. How does this affect you as a Raider fan? 702-365-9200. You know, this has been great. Mike Florio is the only guy who's covering the story and the Gruden emails constantly. And he wrote today in one breath, Deshaun Watson expresses contrition and a desire to accept accountability for his behavior that resulted in 11-game suspension. In the next breath, he declares his innocence. I'm all right with that. I mean, look, Deshaun Watson wasn't going to go in front of the Cleveland media today and start crying and telling everybody that he's guilty of a crime that he says he's innocent in. So Watson appears to be neither apologetic or accountable for his behavior. And that's what some people are feasting on. Because he wrote the other day, quote, I apologize once again for any pain the situation has caused. I take accountability for the decision I made. Then he has the meeting with reporters today and said, quote, I always stood by my innocence and always said I never assaulted anyone or disrespected anyone. I'm going to continue to stand for my innocence. Uh, now, one legal analyst said earlier today that there's still one other case that hasn't been settled, and that's why he had to say that today, according to his attorneys. Quote, I'm going to continue to stand by my innocence. And for the NFL, I don't think Roger Goodell right now cares about his comments anymore. He just wants to get on with the league. He just wants to move on, coming off Canton in the Hall of Fame, the preseason. He wants to get to that first NFL opener. Now, for the NFL, the comment from Roger Goodell in the press release announcing the suspension was pretty harsh. And Roger Goodell is pointing heavy towards counseling that he's going to get going forward. If Watson did nothing wrong, what will the treatment plan be? What will be the evaluation to observe? Will he disagree with whether they tell him because he says he's completely innocent. And just one thing to remember here, Judge Sue L. Robinson found that Watson committed four instances of nonviolent sexual assault. She found his conduct to be egregious and predatory. 
That's why he got 11 games. When she put predatory in there, she basically handed to Roger Goodell a gift to go back. She said, hey, I'm only going to give him six games because I'm in a unique situation. I'm only going to give him six games. But I'm setting you up, Roger Goodell, if you want to do a little bit more. So that's what I find fascinating about this. It's almost like the judge didn't want to do her job and give 10 games, right? At a minimum or 11, the judge put predatory in there and egregious so she could step back and say, look, I'm being independent here. I'm not siding with the player or the league. I'm just going to give you the minimum here. But she set up the commissioner to come in with the freaking hammer. And he came down with the hammer. Now, $5 million is a significant amount of money. I don't care how rich you are. $5 million is a lot of money. And to be clear, the judge repeated the NFL narrative. And this is a big deal now because the NFL cannot have this happen again. It's amazing when you see domestic violence or you see a really bad DUI after what we saw with Henry Ruggs. You, you would think after Henry Ruggs, there's not one player in the NFL that would ever get in a car intoxicated or to do anything. You would hope, but there's always the next guy after that. I find it hard to believe that someone's going to do something this egregious going forward in this league. And I don't care if it's a quarterback or not. So it doesn't matter anymore. The reason, if you're joining us late, this is such an important precedent because now that it's 11 games for this predatory behavior, non-sexual assault, it doesn't matter who you are next. This is going to be the standard. This is the standard for the rookie tight end, the three-year bench cornerback, whoever it is. This is what the rule is going forward. And just don't get tripped up in that lifestyle, right? Don't get tripped up and going 156 miles an hour. Don't get tripped up going online and going into the inbox and into the direct messages of women who give massages professionally or on the side. If you don't do that, you won't be in the position that Deshaun Watson was in. Uh, coming up at the top of the hour, Greg Bedard's going to join us, one of the elite insiders in the NFL. He covers the Patriots, and he's done it for a long time. He knows a lot about Josh McDaniels, and I want to find out about these fights. He was right there for the fights of the Patriots. We'll see the Patriots a bunch. We'll see him at practice next week for two practices. We'll see him in a home preseason game. And then the Raiders will see the Patriots in the only primetime game they have this year. The only one, which makes my blood boil. Makes my blood boil that there aren't more home Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night games, and we have to wait to the Patriots to the end of the year. And, God, that's a conspiracy theory. I called out the day that schedule came out. Still haven't figured that out. Congratulations to the Aces. Mark Davis's Aces, they win a game, win one more, and go to the semifinals. Crowd looked electric last night, something for Vegas to get behind. So happy to see that the Aces are 1-0 in the playoffs.